Hello, Embodied Nourishment family. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking about how shame is not an effective motivator for behavior change. Um, But I kind of just want to start by saying, hey, what's up, guys? (laughs) Um, I'm just looking around. I'm, I'm sitting in my bedroom talking into my Apple podcast, uh, my, my Apple headphones to record this. And I got my coffee, my water. Um, and I just, I want to thank you guys for being here. You know, I, for a long time, I was struggling with getting just a podcast kind of up and going and, and getting it out there because, I don't have like a rhyme or a reason or a structure. Um, I don't have any kind of structure to this. I kind of just get inspired to talk about something and, and I come on and I just talk about it. And I currently am in this phase in my life of really like deconditioning and deprogramming myself from this like patriarchal capitalistic machine where everything that we do in life is just expected to produce some kind of product, some kind of capital, some kind of revenue, some kind of bottom line and how our worth is is determined in what we produce, how much money we can make. Um that's how it's always been quantified and I think part of that conditioning in my mind really held me back from just kind of getting on here and just starting yapping about the things that I want to talk about because I can't quantify this. I don't know what kind of impact this will have. I don't know if doing a podcast will bring me clients and even make me any money and for a while I, you know, I, I was stuck in that mindset of, well, you know, if it's not going to produce anything, um, you know, monetarily, then why do it, right? It, then it's not valuable. I'm not worthy. And I've really, I, I'm just really in this beautiful place in my life where I'm deprogramming and deconditioning from that and really just doing whatever I want to do. And that's why I kind of started I kind of started talking about how I'm I'm literally like sitting on my bed with coffee and water on the shelf next to me just talking into my regular Apple headphone set like no no desk no I mean I have a desk but I'm not sitting there you know I'm I'm not sitting at a desk I'm not reading off of a script I'm not I don't have the podcast equipment I don't have you know the any kind of structure to this and I I don't even know what I'm going to be talking about on the next episode I'm just feeling into my soul my intuition my creativity and what it is that my life force energy wants to talk about and share and experience um there is a an inherent value and worthiness to the creative forces of nature and you know I can't put a price tag on this I'm not 
organized and structured, but it, it, even if this helps one person, it, then then to me, it's it's worth all of the time that it, it takes me to to do this, to write the email, to get the the word out that I posted this podcast today. Um, so, you know, in a lot of ways, um, with intuitive eating, the conscious eating journey, um, you know, coming out of the diet mentality, quitting dieting, that too, you know, like the the whole diet mentality is also kind of another product of this capitalistic, patriarchal society and culture where it's, how can I eat the most efficiently? How can I eat in a way that's going to give me the, the best body, the most efficient body? What's the most efficient kinds of foods I can eat um, to give me the most efficient energy? And how do I do perfect, right? Everything is numbers and calculations. And what am I producing, what is the bottom line? Always looking to quantify in numbers and structures and portions and honestly like deconditioning that has really been the catalyst to me deconditioning that structure in all other areas of my life including this, right? Including career. Um, I mean this is my career, right? Like I'm a dietitian and and I get on and I talk about food and how people can develop healthy relationships with food. But even this, creating this podcast is part of my job that I have created for myself. And it's almost like I'm now stepping into this like intuitive career, (laughs) like how I've done intuitive eating. I'm trying also every day actively working on intuitive relationships. You know, how do relationships intuitively develop when I'm just intuitively showing up and being myself and feeling into, does this feel good? Does this not feel good? Um, same thing here. And, I, you know, I don't even know why I started this podcast off by saying that, but I mean, right, right, that's the point, right? That's the point. Um, I'm just in this period of, complete and total surrender and it's really beautiful and if you're listening to this I guess um, I just hope that I can inspire some of that in you um, to get some of your creativity and trust within yourself again and today I want to talk about how shame is not an effective motivator for behavior change and I suppose it is relevant because um, when we're shaming ourselves to try to produce a certain kind of outcome, it's kind of like a dog chasing its tail and it doesn't work and it's very unkind and it doesn't connect you to your body so that you can make the changes that can lead you to live a life that is more in alignment, including in the way that you feed yourself. Right, so so let's talk about shame. So first of all, I want to talk a little bit about the brain. And I want to talk about how our brains are, they are wired for, for us to shame ourselves. So let me back up a little bit. So the part of the brain that controls emotions is a part of the brain called the limbic system. So the limbic system, what it does is it actually, it associates 
emotions with memories. And this is a very old, I think they call it like the reptilian part of the brain. It's a very, very old part of the brain. It is part of the survival brain. Now, thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of years ago, when we were, you know, roaming the earth, trying to just create some kind of security, um, this part of the brain was very, very valuable. And it's still valuable to this day. Like I'm not saying the limbic system is not valuable. It's very valuable because what it does is it helps us to make sense of the world around us. And what the limbic system is trying to do is it's trying to Um, navigate us towards safety and security. And it does that by creating associations with your emotions in response to the experiences that you're having. So uh, let me give you an example. Let's say you are walking alone at nighttime in a dangerous neighborhood and you feel like somebody is following you and you get really scared. So you start walking faster and you finally get to your destination and you know, you're, you're safe and you're sound and you're good, right? So, but, but that experience was still scary. Your, your nervous system was still elevated. You were fearful. And what your brain does is it connects that fear that you were feeling and it associates it, it associates it to the experience and creates a memory so now you associate walking alone at night in a dangerous neighborhood by yourself is a um is a scary situation so it's your brain telling you hey don't do that again don't ever do that again and this is survival Right? Your brain is, is helping you navigate and make sense of the world around you so to keep you safe. And obviously this, this has been very um, useful, right? That we've come quite a long way with regards to being settled and civilized and having these advanced systems in place. It's because of our limbic system making associations with memories and emotions. Now, let's now take that and now bring it down to the focus of the relationship with food and body and how this plays out and how in some ways um, this could be very detrimental. Now, I, I kind of want to start this next segment um, talking about how what we're actually doing right now in this very moment or what I'm doing in this very moment is quite literally talking about how to evolve our brains in real time, which is pretty cool because, I mean, as far as I know, we are the only animals that can do that. I mean, I don't know, maybe whales do that too. Maybe they communicate with each other in this way, but we'll never know. I don't know. But I know humans, right, we can actually um, think critically about these parts of our brains and how they are affecting our behavior. And we can talk about reframing and redirecting these parts of ourselves to make new neural connections and evolve further. And that's how we evolve as far as we have, because we can talk about it. So let's talk about it. So, okay. When you, let's say, for example, um, overeat, some kind of food. Let's just say cookies, right? So you overeat on cookies. And because you believe that cookies are bad for you, they're unhealthy, they're going to make you fat, and then being fat is shameful, and all of the things, right? The whole spiral just goes on, right? In that moment, 
after you finish overeating cookies, the shame kicks in. And that's what you experience when you start talking negatively to yourself. When you say, oh, I'm such an idiot. How can I have done this? I'm so stupid. What's wrong with me? I have no self-control. And you're just beating yourself up and beating yourself up and beating yourself up. And the part of your brain that is doing this is the limbic system. It's the same part of the brain that was making the association between you walking alone at night in a dark um, in the dark in a dangerous neighborhood by yourself that, that and and your that's part of your brain associated that with fear so that you don't do it again. This is the same part of the brain that is being activated in this situation. Because what's happening is when you're overeating the cookies, your brain is perceiving yourself to be a threat to yourself. Okay, I'm going to say that again. After you overeat the cookies, you binge on the cookies, your brain is experiencing this scenario as yourself being a danger to yourself. So the function, the function of the shame in this situation is to try to, what your brain is trying to do is it's trying, it's trying to convince you to never binge on the cookies ever again. Basically what your brain is saying is, or what your brain is thinking, well, like this part of the brain, what it thinks is, okay, if I can make myself feel as bad as possible, then I will never do this again. So you sit there and you try to make yourself feel as bad as humanly possible, right? I'm an idiot. I have no self-control. What's wrong with me? I'm so gluttonous. I'm, I'm ridiculous. I hate myself, right? You even say, I hate myself. It's, it's that, that self-hate. But here's the thing. It actually, this, when the limbic system does this, when it does this self-shame, it actually doesn't work to change behavior, it doesn't work. It doesn't communicate correctly to the parts of the brain that need to make the changes to, um, to actually change and get out of it. So here's the thing. When you are engaging in some kind of behavior such as like binging and restricting, binging and restricting, essentially what's happening is you're caught in a trap. There's something deeper going on that's keeping you stuck in that cycle. And shaming yourself for being in the cycle cannot get you out of the cycle. It's, it's kind of similar to like, let's say, um, I don't know, you're going for a walk and you see a dog and the, this dog has its poor little leg like caught into a trap. It, it's, it's trapped into something and it can't get out. And this is basically like your limbic system shaming you is the equivalent to like you going up to this dog who's stuck in the trap and like berating the dog and saying to the dog, what's wrong with you? What are you, an idiot? Well, you're so stupid. How could you have gotten your leg caught in this trap? Just get out of it. What's wrong with you? 
but you don't do that, right? Because it doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> and and you're kinder than that. You're kind and you're compassionate. You would not do that if you see a poor dog with its leg caught in a trap. You would go up to the dog and you would help the dog get out. You would bend down, try to console the dog, try to understand the emotions of the dog, understand how the dog got caught in the trap. And as you're helping the dog get out of the trap, you would get the contraption, whatever it is that the dog got caught in, you would get it far away from that dog, right? So when you're shaming yourself, you're not actually helping yourself to get out of the trap. In fact, in fact, all of that self-hate, it ends up laying the ground for the next cycle of the binging and the restricting. And right now I'm talking about this in terms of um, like food, obviously, obviously food. Um, but this can really be applied to to anything in life. Like, like if you're somebody who, let's say, maybe perhaps gets into, uh, like you're in a cycle of getting into toxic relationships with people who are abusive and you always find yourself like, one relationship after the next you say oh how could i keep doing this i'm such i'm such an idiot i keep dating these losers these ridiculous people what's wrong with me and and you're just you're trying to shame yourself out of that cycle but you're not doing anything to actually help you get out of the cycle so actually um like psychologists they they have a, a phrase for this whole phenomenon and they actually call it the prison of the survival brain it, it, we're trying to shoot ourselves when we perceive our own behavior as a threat but it doesn't it, it just doesn't work it's not appropriate so before I was saying how what I'm talking about right now is literally like how do we evolve how do we evolve as a species? How do we evolve out of this chaotic um, shaming, this self-hate? Everybody does this in one way or another. Like literally, like uh, everybody does this. Like let's say, I don't even even with the most smallest things, like if you're going grocery shopping and you drop something on the floor, you're like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why did I drop this on the floor? You know, like we're so mean to ourselves. We are so, it, and it's it's not, because there's anything wrong with you, it, your brain is just wired for this, right? Again, it's your brain trying to protect you. It's trying to, it, it thinks that you're always in danger. We, us as humans, we come from a very long history of collective trauma, of always constantly trying to survive, that our brains are very wired to perceive any little thing as a threat. And that limbic system gets fired off and it's immediately you know, like bad, wrong, bad, don't do it again. Um, but again, that's not how we get out of it. So how do we evolve? So we evolve by activating. We have to consciously activate a different part of our brain. We have to activate mindfulness, okay? We have to get curious in the same way that you would bend down and help a poor little dog whose leg is caught in a trap, you would help that dog get out of the trap. You may even help remove the dog from the dangerous environment that it's in that got it caught in the trap in the first place. That's a good metaphor for disordered eating, right? 
instead of shaming yourself for being stuck in this vicious cycle of binging, restricting, binging, restricting, well, why don't we get curious about why the fuck you're there to begin with? What got you here? Is it, are there cultural factors, the way that you were raised, the conditioning, the, the way your parents raised you with food? Is it genetic? Do you have a genetic predis- predisposition to these addictive types of behaviors? Is it your environment? Do you have access to food? Are you surrounded by people who are always talking about food and body? Are you surrounded by people who are always um, commenting on your body and making comments about food? Right? These are the things that are keeping your leg in the trap. And we evolve by expanding our capacity to see how our leg has gotten caught in the trap. Learning how to see the larger truth, the bigger picture. Because here's the thing, it's not your fault that your leg got caught in this trap. It's not your fault. You didn't ask to be born into this culture that objectifies people that is always telling you to lose weight or change your body you weren't it's not your fault that you were born here or born into this this environment this culture it's not your fault that your leg is caught in a trap and when you are able to finally remove the self-blame Here's the, here's the kicker, right? When you finally remove the self-blame that was never yours to carry, only then are you finally able to start to become responsible for your behavior. You have to ask yourself, what is the need? What is the want? What is the fear behind this behavior? When you overeat on cookies, what is actually going on there? What is the need when you're overeating on cookies? Maybe the need is that you didn't eat enough earlier in the day and you have nutrition needs. Maybe the need is that you keep food scarce on purpose or you're afraid of gaining weight because of X, Y, and Z and and there's a deep need there to feel accepted and loved for who you are. And that's why you end up in this chaotic cycle that ends in binging on cookies, right? Right? There's a part of you that's hurting. There's a part of you that's hurting and getting really curious and kind and compassionate about discovering what that the need is that, that is unmet, only then Do you finally start to be actually, only then do you finally start to become empowered in, in the, um, in the responsibility of your decisions. But if you don't know why you're making the decisions you're made, I don't even want to use the word decision, right? Because if, if you have all of these unmet needs and you're reaching to binge on cookies, it's like, how, how can you have responsibility? You don't even know what the fuck is going on. You don't even know what's going on. And that's why your limbic system is getting activated to shame you. Because it's like, okay, well, I don't know what's going on. And I don't know why I keep getting here. And I don't know how to get out of it. So maybe I can just convince myself by making myself feel really, really, really bad. And and then maybe we won't do this anymore. Right? But again, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. That doesn't actually get you. It doesn't excavate you from the trap. Okay? So... 
um, yeah, shame doesn't work. (laughs) You know, it's also like once you can start, like let's say you're somebody who maybe um, finds themselves in a pattern of getting into abusive relationships or with partners that just don't respect us or whatever the story is, right? Just like misaligned partners. Well, what's going on there, right? Once you start to see that maybe it's because of attachments, um, like attachment style that was developed in childhood or having your emotional needs neglected in childhood, and then you start to meet those needs yourself and find different healthy resources to meet these needs that you have, that's you taking responsibility for this. And then you can then turn around back into a dating life where you say, hey, I'm not going to date assholes anymore. I'm not going to date people who abuse me. Only then can you find that responsibility to make the real changes. But, but it's the kindness and it's the compassion. It's the kindness and the compassion that you have to extend to yourself in order to get you out of this trap and to make these changes. Beating yourself up, shame, it will never work. It, it just doesn't work. Um, I was reading an excerpt from the, the book called The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, it's the best book ever. I highly recommend that everybody reads it. But um, the author was talking about this a little bit in the book. He was, he was kind of comparing our brains to penguins, for example. And I'm going to butcher this a little bit. I can't speak so all that intelligently on penguin, um, like their life cycle and their survival patterns. But he was basically talking about how penguins, every single year, they go through like really treacherous conditions from the ocean onto land to like have their babies. And then they, they go back into like backwards through this really treacherous journey that a lot of penguins don't survive um, to go back into the water. And he was basically talking about how if penguins had the critical thinking part of our brains, like um, the prefrontal cortex that we have, right? Like right now, my prefrontal cortex is using rationality to talk about my limbic system. And my ability to rationalize my limbic system is allowing me to evolve and come out of the shame cycle so that I can evolve as a human being and evolve into better survival skills, right? Penguins don't have a prefrontal cortex, so they cannot rationalize. They cannot, they they physically cannot come up with a better solution. Whereas like if penguins had a prefrontal cortex, they can maybe build igloos and they could build like, uh, I don't want to say houses, like I don't know if a penguin could build a house, but my point being like shelter and they can create systems where they have better access to resources so that they don't have to make their young little penguins go through such treacherous conditions where many of them die off um, as part of their survival pattern. They don't have that ability, and that's why they they can't they they have not evolved past where they are right now. Humans have very powerful brains. Physically, we are very weak. Actually, there I mean there are animals out there that are like nine hundred pounds, right? And and a lot of animals out there can destroy us, but we have been able to build these these very sophisticated systems and structures so that we could survive. Look at how protected we are in our houses from, you know, um, anything like 
monkey, like monkeys are really strong, right? But there's no monkeys coming into my house to kill me because we have these sophisticated systems in place that our prefrontal cortex has rationalized and thought about and was able to problem solve. We have the ability to change the way that our brains are wired. So the next time you find yourself shaming yourself for a behavior that you don't like or that is hurting you or is keeping you stuck in a really toxic, chaotic pattern that's hurting you, think about activating your prefrontal cortex and acknowledging, okay, this is my limbic system. This is my survival brain trying to protect me. It's trying to keep me alive. This is survival. And remind yourself, okay, I'm not in immediate danger, right? I'm not going to die right now. I just binged on some cookies and I'm going to start to get really curious about why this keeps happening. And just be kind, get curious, recognize, investigate, allow yourself to feel and nurture yourself. And that, my friends, is the journey into the Pandora's box of of creating that safety and security that's going to finally make you be at peace with food, but also with other things in your life you can extend this to. So, all right, that is what I felt inspired to talk about today. I hope that this helps you guys. Um, I am going to leave, as always, my link to work with me one-on-one down in the show notes. And yeah, I'll see you guys on Instagram. Oh, if you don't follow me already, you can follow me on Instagram at embodied.nourishment. If you listen to this podcast, and it helped you. I would love to hear from you and, you know, send me a DM. I'm always in my DMs answering people. So, all right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.